Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the April issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Considerations for Beef Producers When Adding Small Ruminants to Their Operation. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Randy Sainer, who's a Nebraska Extension Educator based in Lincoln County. Thanks for joining me today, Randy. You're welcome. It's good to be here, and uh, it's an interesting market right now for sheep, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Well, Randy, I think the article that you co-authored with Kelly Bruns is one that is of interest to me, and I think just because of what's going on right now in terms of the demand we're seeing domestically for both sheep and goat, uh, really seeing some historic high record prices in terms of market prices for, for goats and lambs. And I think this is getting the attention of some cow producers as well. I think also just the opportunities that sheep and goat can be to complement a cow operation in terms of being able to utilize some forages differently, some things that maybe cattle don't readily consume, uh, sheep and goats may. Outline for us, what are some things cattle producers might want to consider as they think about maybe potentially adding sheep or goats to their operation? The first thing I guess I would look at, it's kind of, it's kind of an old wise tale, and there's not a lot of research on this, but um, you can add a sheep or goat per cow and not change your, your stocking rates as far as, and so that means about a 10 to 20% better pasture utilization um, with that. And so we have p- producers doing that now, but some things to consider basically is, you know, you can increase your grazing capacity or forage utilization by adding a small ruminant because about 20 to 30% of their diets and Kansas state work shows up to 40% is different than cows. So, so sheep in a study at Kansas state, they showed about a 40%. They ate forbs and weeds and uh, things that were uh, uh, different types of grasses than what cows eat. And then they overlapped about 60%. So that's how you can add that you is because she's eating some different things. Same, same way with goats. They're going to do the same thing there. And if you have a lot of problems with um, for, forbs that are weed, kind of weedy type forbs, um, sheep will help you get rid of those and, and so will goats. Um, tree, trees especially um, are a good thing, a thing that goats will eat. But the problem is with cedar trees is you've got to force goats to them if you want to get them to really uh, clean them out for you. And it takes about three to four years um, to get that done. Co-grazing. Basically, you know, that would be you can either put you can put your sheep with your cattle um, and or you can do them before and after. And a lot of times what most people will do is they'll graze the cows ahead, graze the ewes after, especially when they're in the early term gestation or open uh, when they have their least uh, nutrition that's required. And then when they get ready to lamb, they might put the sheep or the goats ahead of the cows and get them better forage. And so it works. Now, what's the challenge there? If you've got cattle fences, they're not going to hold the sheep or goat. So one thing you can do is some people have done is they've, they've got a shepherd that keeps them moving and kind of keeps them inside the pasture. That's one, one option. The other option is to add some electric fence to your traditional wire fence that offsets it to help keep, keep those, uh, those sheep and goats in. And goats are going to be harder than sheep. You're going to have to have better better uh, fencers and more wires for goats and more sheep in most cases. Randy, one of the things that often people hear about with sheep and goats is also some parasite issues, but actually sheep and cattle and goats and cattle 
can actually complement one another and help one another out on the parasite issues. Right. So a, a goat or a or a sheep, either one, can vacuum up the cow worms and, and it won't affect them. But then the other hand is the cows can eat the grass and get the get the sheep and goat worms through them and it and it kills them and they don't they do not stay in the cow. So there are different parasites that affect those two. So yeah, you're you're working like a vacuum to vacuum up some of those eggs that are out there on pasture, which which is improves your parasite management. Um, you have less problems with parasites. However, if you have small ruminants, you better plan on doing some deworming because you're probably going to have to do some um, just because they are way more susceptible to parasites. And uh, especially goats, they'll die if you don't get them get them taken care of. But but a good management practice is using FAMACHA or something where you can look at the eyelid and see how see what their hematocrit is, and that will help you um, with that management. But, but it's something you got to learn. It's, uh, most producers, when they get goats, will call me and say, I might be losing some, some goats. Why am I doing that? Most of the cases, it's parasites. Sheep are a little bit less of a problem with parasites, but again, you still have to watch them because it will reduce um, their productivity and it will reduce the amount of twins you have also if they got a lot of parasites. One of the things also, I think that, again, we're not going to talk a lot about pest management, but just grazing management practices uh, can be pretty important around pest management with small ruminants as well. Yeah, yeah. Keeping that grass, you know, worms only crawl up so far, the, the, the larva does, and that's where the animal intakes in. And so if you can keep that, that grass a little higher level, you're going to have less problems with worms. Randy, one of the things that's really driving, and we hinted at this when we started our conversation, is just the price right now for sheep and goats, uh, seeing some historically high prices for sheep and goats. Uh, when I think cattle producers look at some of the gross margins right now that are being generated by either sheep or goats, that's kind of driving some of the interest in this as well. Yeah, yeah, I think we're at the top of the market with she sheep. I mean, we're or at least we're close. Um, and so, you know, buying breeding stock compared to a few years ago, you're going to probably pay $200 more than you would have. Um, and, and I talked to a producer who buys his females and he said, yeah, when I started, I bought them for like 175 and now I'm up to 350. So that kind of tells you that, you know, when you get in this time, you're getting in at the top of the top of the market, maybe not be the best time to get in, or maybe you want to start out a little smaller because your costs are going to be higher. Randy, let's talk a little bit about just the differences in how cattle and sheep graze, how cattle and goat graze. Uh, you mentioned that kind of as we started off, but let's just kind of discuss a little bit more. How do these different species graze and how do they complement one another? So, you know, cattle are mainly grass grazers. They tend to graze taller grasses um, that, that sheep will reject in a lot of cases and prefer lower, flatter areas. Um, goats and, and sheep, goats are more opportunistic grazers. They're going to pick the best thing. They're going to pick the leaves off the weeds that are high in nutrition, high in minerals. Um, they're more browsers. Uh, they don't like clover and they don't like to graze close to the surface. Where sheep prefer more forbs and broadleaf plants, um, they will eat grass and, and, and browse and they'll eat grass if there's no browse there. Uh, they do like clover. They like to to graze those higher inclined areas. So where your cows may not go up into some of those taller hills as much, sheep and goats will go up there. And that might be their preference to go up higher. They like higher and drier. Uh, and they can, can tolerate those salty compounds or, you know, grass is high in salt. 
um, they will handle that way better. And even, even plants that are somewhat poisonous to cattle, maybe a lot less poisonous to sheep and goats, and they, they tend to detoxify things a little easier uh, than cattle can. And they're good second grazers. They're, they're good at following cows. And they're other, they also tolerate the tannins and bitter compounds that, that a lot of cattle won't eat. Let's shift gears a little bit and just talk about general management of small ruminants, thinking of sheep and goats. How do those differ from cattle? What are some things people should be aware of and educate themselves on before they dive into that? Yeah, the, the big thing is some kind of guard animal because you'll have a lot of predator loss. And even I even talked to a producer that um, has sheep now, and he's had a heck of a time with coyotes. And they finally trapped some and they trapped 75 coyotes in like a 6,000 6, acre area just because he's having a lot of death loss. And, and so... Um, he said part of it is moving sheep slow. If you've got sheep and you've got predator dogs, you need to move them slow so those dogs can clean out those coyotes and those predators before the sheep go there. What happens a lot of times if you're moving them too fast, they can't get the predators cleaned out and they just get tired. And so you, you get more predation loss. The other thing about having a herder is he'll help with that predation law. You know, he's out there all the time. So that that's an advantage. But Llamas, um, donkeys, and dogs are all really good, and you need to, they need to be raised with the sheep as far as the dogs go so that they know um, to protect that group, and, and you kind of got to leave them alone and let them uh, kind of mend with the sheep, uh, and they're, they're really good at keeping the coyotes and killing them, kill them. They also will kill other dogs, so if you're getting a bunch of sheep and you're getting guard dogs, your neighbors may not be happy with you because they're probably going to kill that neighbor's dogs if they get in your pasture. That's just one thing that predator dog dogs will do to get rid of predators, a guard dog. They will kill other dogs. That's some of the things. And then, you know, the vaccines are a little different. Um, than, and there's just a few you need for sheep, um, you know, the, the overeating type things. Cobixinate is one that a lot of people use. Tetanus is another thing, probably if you're, especially if you're going to uh, uh, dock tails and, and castrate, um, that's one that can be a problem for you. And then as we talked about deworming, making sure that you're watching those sheep and goats for parasites because it's different than cattle. The other thing I would say is when you lamb and you're lambing on pasture, um, like some of my producers do, if you're not putting them inside a barn, you're going to have a higher death loss probably in sheep than you would in cattle, which is going to bother a lot of cattle producers, especially if you're out on range. Now, if you're in, it's different if you have them inside where you can watch them closer, but you just you just have more death loss. And what the one producer told me is about seven to eight percent is what he's experienced, and he said I never experienced that with my cows. So that's that's one thing you want to get get used to. The other things when you wean lambs. Um, they tend to have less sickness problems than calves do. So that's a good thing. So I guess you got give and take on both. As people think about what kind of sheep or what kind of goats should I consider getting, any things they should think through there in terms of the breed types and what might best fit their scenario based on what they want to do? So if you're, if you're, wanting, if you're wanting to sell wool, which some producers do, you know, one of the white face breeds tend to be, you know, better wool quality. We see more of them out West. If you're wanting to produce meat, um, the, the black face sheep, but they're not going to have very good. You're not going to get a lot for their wool, put it that way, because it, it's a lower quality. And if you really don't want to shear, 
there's some really good options. There's a hair sheep you can go with. And Katahdin breed is one of the fastest growing sheep breeds in the whole United States. Um, so that's another option that a lot of a lot of producers went to hair sheep because they weren't getting much for their wool. It's hard to get find people that will actually come out and get your wool trimmed off. So a lot of people went to hair sheep and um, it's one of the fastest growing breeds in the United States now, the Katahdin's. About on the goat side, what are some things to be aware of with goats if you're going out and buying some breeding stock? So, so parasite wise, you know, the boar goats are really nice looking and stuff. Boy, they have more parasite problem. Uh, and so, you know, if you can get some Spanish in there, um, they're, they're a little more resistant to parasites. Maybe use a boar buck. The, the boar kids are always going to sell better. So you probably need to have some boar in, in them, just kind of like Charlotte bull to an Angus cow going to add muscle and stuff. Similar to a poor goat, both Spanish goats, probably the Kiko goats would be another one that was developed in New Zealand. They tend to be more hardy with parasites. They're probably better mothers also. And so a good crossbred goat is probably better for you than a straight bred, just like we would recommend in cattle. It gives you more hybrid vigor. Um, and um, especially out on range, you, you want something that's going to last for you. Randy, if some folks are thinking about what's the economics of goats, how might I get a handle on what the cost would be, uh, what might I expect, what resources would you point them to? So recently, this past year, we worked on budgets for both sheep and goats for Nebraska. And you can go to the Sheep and Goat Enterprise Budgets for Nebraska Producers. There's a link on on my paper that I did, and um, it'll help you kind of go through and you can put in your own figures. Um, we got figures in there from producers, which remember when you do average, average is average, right? There's people that are better and worse in that, that category. Put your figures in there and that can give you an idea of what your costs are and what your return will be. And we have different types of sales. We have one where you sell to a packing plant, one where you sell direct, one where you sell weaned kids and weaned sheep. So it, it kind of gives you some different ways of looking at it and, and what works best for you. Also, if you're interested um, we do have a website for sheep and goat producers that they can go to, um, and it's uh, go.unl.edu slash any sheep uh, underscore goat. And that's the that's our website that you can go to. And it, it has all of our programs we've done that I've recorded are on there. So this, the shepherd's class that we've done, the lambing and kidding classes we've done are all on there with all the speakers. And also all the speakers' PowerPoints are on there. Randy, one thing we touched on initially but haven't talked about very much is the marketing of the lambs, the sheep, the goats, the coal ewes, the coal does. What are some things people should know and understand about marketing before they dive into and, and get tied in with some sheep or goats? So, so here's the deal with sheep and goats both. Um, you better find your market before you buy them and figure out how you're going to market them. Because, you know, if you're a big producer, you have probably more options than a small producer because there's not many cell barns in Nebraska that sell sheep and goats. So you better look at different ways of marketing. You know, one would be direct to a feedlot in Colorado. Colorado is the number one feeding state for sheep and we're right next door. So that's, there's potential there. Um, but the thing is, there's not a lot of sell, sell So a lot of my people go into Kansas to sell their goats because they cannot find a place. I mean, you gotta go back East up to Palmyra or up North for selling sheep and goats um, because there's not many in, in our Western area. Scott, uh, Centennial at, at Fort Collins, a lot of people go there. 
So marketing sheep and goats is not like your cows where you can just take them to a, the closest cell barn because the closest cell barn might be two, 300, 400 miles away. And so you, you need to think about that. Um, and the other thing is when you're marketing sheep and goats, if you can market them during an ethnic holiday, they're usually higher like Easter, like Ramadan, uh, some of those markets. So check into the ethnic calendar and look where, look where, the, where they're at and the price will be higher right before those holidays. Randy, any other resources that you think would be of value to cattle producers who are thinking about the opportunity to consider sheep or goats? Yeah, you know, you know, talking to a producer that's done it. So you, you have the good and the bad both. And that's what we've tried to do here um, is talk to a little bit about, the, I think that would be a, a good thing. You can go to um, the Goat Federation has a um, website that talks about goat production. And ASI, American Sheep Industry, has a lot of uh, programs. And you can even get on and listen to some of their webinars that you can listen to. And, um, and they, they come out once a month. So they have some really good information on parasite management and management. So, and then the other thing is ASI has a nice handbook for sheep production. Um, and you're welcome to come to my office and I'll check it out with you. But it's, it's really a nice big book that can give you lots of information on sheep production. Goats, I, I, there's also a meat goat production handbook out of Langston University, and I use it a lot, and it has a lot of good information in it. Thanks again for joining me today, Randy. Thank you, Aaron. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the website that Randy mentioned earlier. Again, it's go.unl.edu forward slash nesheep underscore goat. Also, you can find Randy's contact information. Again, he's based in Lincoln County. That's Randy Saner. And you can find his email information as well as phone number on our website.